Hello, everybody, and welcome to our broadcast. My name is Jake McGrell. Alongside me, it's a very packed studio. We have Corey Branson, Nico Roselli, Ryan Alfonso, Chooksy Baum, Claire Eccles, and Alan and Byron Wang of CITR Sports, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the unceded grounds of the Musqueam people. You're listening to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9, always keeping you up to date with the latest UBC Thunderbirds news, standings, and stories. As I mentioned, packed studio, also a packed schedule for UBC Athletics as we are in the thick of the playoff season, have plenty of amazing wins and tough losses to talk about. Swimming went to nationals and both the men's and women's team won the U Sports Championship for the fourth straight year. All six of our basketball, hockey, and volleyball teams played in the Canada West playoffs. Two of them are through to the finals, one is through to the semis, and three have sadly been eliminated at different stages. We also have some non-playoff games to talk about with men's rugby, baseball, and softball. It's a lot happening, and we're going to start off with hockey. There is a lot happening indeed, and in the world of hockey, both the women and the men had the chance over the weekend to punch their ticket into the Canada West Finals. The only thing standing in their way were strong Alberta teams that the Thunderbirds have struggled to beat over the last little while. And we'll start off by looking at the women's side. The women battled hard and did everything in their power to make it into the finals, forcing their opening two games into overtime, making it four consecutive OT games in a row, but ultimately had their season come to an end, losing both games 1-0. Alberta outscored UBC 18-1 in the regular season games, but that was not the case here as Game 1 was the longest game in school history and the fifth longest in Canada West history, going to triple overtime. Alberta's Taylor Anker scored the winning after 107 minutes of play. Tori McLash, absolutely heroic in goal, making 47 saves. That overtime goal ended a shutout streak of 257 minutes and 57 seconds, dating all the way back to Game 1 of the quarterfinals. She made over 95 consecutive saves in the playoffs against some of the best teams in the conference. That's that Thunderbird eye bump. (laughs) You get on air and you're playing well. And it was a similar story in Game 2, as the two teams were once again locked at 0-0 at the end of the regulation. Um, But it only took 6 minutes and 28 seconds of the first overtime period to find a winner. And it came from Alberta's Autumn McDougall. And I will also say that the girl who assisted that point was uh, Maddie Willen, who also plays on the national team for baseball. Oh, wow. That's an ultimate dual sport athlete right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh, goal from McDougal meant the Thunderbirds were shut out in back-to-back games for the first time since mid-January. We can talk a lot about the Thunderbirds and their goal-scoring droughts, but credits to Golden Pandas goalie Kirsten Chamberlain. She made a total of 48 saves on the weekend. Very well played. And McLash's final playoff stats, she played the equivalent of 5.5 regulation games due to the amount of overtime periods and allowed only four goals on 121 shots with a .967 save percentage. And the reason why that's amazing, just in terms of the Alberta team, is that I was looking at the Canada West stats for uh, the women's, women's division and Alberta has four players who led Canada West in points. The top four in points in all of Canada West for, the, for women's hockey were Alberta players. That's good. We, we need to get McLash back on the show after this. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> what, do. What did you say to your forwards after the series ended? <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on to the men's side now. We do have some good news on the hockey front, even though the women 
could not punch their ticket into the finals. The men have a date with Saskatchewan in the Canada West finals after beating Alberta in three games. Alberta put up an incredible 53 shots in game one and outshot UBC 15-2 in the third period. But Ryland Toth made a career-high 51 saves, including all 24 in the third and overtime for a 3-2 win. 51 saves. Absolutely <laughs> insane. Ouch. Well, it was Captain Jared Smith who scored the overtime winner after Colton Keller tied it with just 18 seconds on the clock in the second. This was Alberta's first home playoff loss since 2013. Game two, Alberta responded. Big 6-1 win. Blew UBC out of the water. A lot of power play uh, time for both teams because there was a lot of penalties called in this game. Dare to say it was a playoff atmosphere. A playoff atmosphere, <laughs> as Nico loves to say. In Back, this case, it was actually right. <laughs> it, was, it was actually right. Back to the penalty minutes. UBC notched a total of 52 and Alberta notched 54. Alberta was much more efficient on the power play, converting on three of nine chances. While the Thunderbirds went 0 for 6, Carter Popoff scored UBC's only goal. Toth, he put the Thunderbirds on his back again in Game 3 for the second time in the series, stopping 41 of 42 shots as UBC won 2-1 to to clinch their spot in the Canada West Finals for the first time in 42 years. Not really the season we expected this to happen in, but we'll take it. <laughs> they, won, they won 9 of their 28 games in the regular season, and they're in the, the Canada West Finals. They've just been saving the juice. <laughs> This is when they need the energy boost. They were actually outshot 15-6 to in the first and gave up the opening goal, but Austin Glover tied it in the second before Tyler Sandu scored the game winner early in the third. Toth made 21 saves in the third period as Alberta was really pound, uh, putting it on. The Thunderbirds will play Saskatchewan on the road in the final series, which begins on Friday. They've not beaten the Huskies in over two years, losing eight straight, but regardless, they've qualified for the national championship tournament. Definitely good to see. Now, moving on to basketball, the women's team came agonizingly close to the Canada West final, falling to host Saskatchewan at the death after taking care of business in the quarterfinals. In the quarters, they faced Winnipeg, who they played twice to end the regular season, and they won 92-85. to Keelan Filowich was dominant, surprise, surprise, with 29 points and 13 boards, while Jessica Hansen, her nice second fiddle, added 15 points, 5 rebounds, and 6 assists. That meant they played the Huskies, the number one ranked team in the country in the semifinals. It was close all the way through, but Saskatchewan won 76-72, to with Megan Allstrom hitting a contested 3 with 30 seconds left for the winning bucket. And Filowich and Hansen struggled offensively, scoring a combined 32 points on a 13-35 shooting. Maddie Penn scored a season-high 13 points off the bench, and their defense held the Huskies to 37% shooting, but unfortunately it wasn't enough. Congratulations to Filowich, who was named to the All-Canada West first team for the second straight season, and Hansen, who was named to the All-Canada West third team for the first time. Yeah, unfortunately, that means the women's basketball team season is over. But the men's team is not because they are through to the Canada West final, beating Nemesis Calgary 81-72 to on the road in the semifinals. It was their first win over the Dinos in over four years. 
in the quarterfinals. They also won. They took down Saskatchewan 88-77. to uh, Balance scoring saw five players score 13-plus points. They were led by Manroop Clare. He had 19. Grant Shepard had a strong performance with 13 points, but 16 rebounds and also four steals. Zach Moore double-doubled off the bench. He had 13 points and 11 rebounds. Against the Dinos, Shepard and Brian Wallach both fouled out in less than 20 minutes. Moore was held scoreless and... That only had 10 bench points, but Claire and Jaden Cohey scored a combined 49 points, shooting 8 for 15 from 3. Yeah, Thunderbirds were also down 4 at the start of the fourth quarter, but they outscored the Dinos 25-12 to in the final 10 minutes of the game. Calgary shot 5 for 16 from the field, and incredibly, 1 for 9 from the free throw line in the fourth quarter. Absolute choke job from the Dinos. <laughs> And uh, this means that UBC will take on Alberta in the Canada West final on Saturday and have qualified for the national championship tournament. The Thunderbirds last played the Golden Pandas at last season's national championships, where they beat them in the Constellation semifinals. Congratulations goes out to Kohi, who was named to the All-Canada West first team for the second straight season, and Shepard, who was named to the All-Canada West third team after he was on the second team last season. Now, on to volleyball. First, starting with women's, the defending national champions have been knocked out in the Canada West quarterfinals, losing their best of three series, two games to one, to the second seed, Mount Royal. UBC had the Cougars on the brink of elimination following a tight 3-2 victory in Game 1. However, Mount Royal stormed back to take the final two games with relative ease. We can got off to a pretty good start because UBC actually won the first game. They beat the Cougars in a five-set thriller where they dropped the first set before winning three of the next four. Yeah, it was Gabby Atea who had another really strong performance with the Birds. 17 kills and six digs and three blocks as well. Captain Anna Price contributed two. She had 16 kills and hit 433, 10 digs as well for a really nice night for her. And game two is where things started to fall apart as the Thunderbirds lost 3-1. to one. Liv Furland managed to lead the team in both kills with nine and assists with 26. But the Thunderbirds as a whole hit just 108 and had 32 attack errors. Shout out to Furlan, though. It's not every day that you lead the team in both kills and assists. Pretty impressive. Yeah, both she and Oxlund, Kayla Oxlund, that is the backup setter, started that game, which allowed for that to happen. But the other Thunderbirds attackers, including Atea, Price, and Bryn Passan, all struggled. Those three all hit under 100. Atea hit negative 111, which was by far a season low. Thunderbirds also had six aces, but 12 service errors. Yeah, well, in Game 3, the final match was even worse as the Thunderbirds hit 87, just .087, and lost 3-0. to zero. Only two players had more than four kills. Passan and Tessa Davis, who both had seven. Fulton had only 18 assists, and they had just one ace. That's a really tough way to end it's the really season, <laughs> playing that poorly. Although, of course, Mount Royal is one of the best teams in the country, but especially considering that they won the first uh, game, definitely not what they would have expected after that initial win. <laughs> yeah, and the Thunderbirds will look to improve substantially for next season as they will be the hosts of the National Championship Tournament in March of 2021. Well, time for men's. The men's volleyball team played their best of three quarterfinal series at home against the Winnipeg Westmen. The Thunderbirds emerged victorious in a sweep, though one game was much closer than the others. Yeah, Game 1 was a 3-0 domination as the UBC bested Winnipeg in all stats aside from blocks and 
with a total of 42 kills, 39 assists, and a hitting percentage of .333, compared to 20 kills, 20 assists, and a .07 hitting percentage for the Westman. Yeah, it was really not that close. Colton Liu was the game leader for both kills and aces. He had 16 kills and 3 aces while hitting .538. Ben Hooker contributed with 28 assists and 5 digs, and Lou really has it out for Winnipeg. Corey and I were on the call for both of these two playoff games, and we discovered that Lou, his four highest kill totals of the season, all came against Winnipeg. Not sure what it is about the Westman, but he's not a fan of them. <laughs> and uh, Game 2 saw a much closer five sets, with the Thunderbirds winning 3-2. to two. The Thunderbirds hit uh, .420 and had an incredible 79 kills, their previous season high was 57. Yeah, Matt Neves led the way with a career-high 25 kills. There were a lot of bests set in this matchup, with Lou also recording a career-high with 21 kills, along with 9 digs and 6 aces, including 4 consecutive at one point. Hooker set them up with a career-high 61 assists, and Gerard El Tigre-Murray tied his <laughs> career-high with 10 kills on a 7-14 hitting percentage. For, for some context, the UBC lineup announcer at War Memorial, Jim, always has a nickname for the Thunderbridge players when he introduces them, and for some reason, Gerard Murray's would change to El Tigre for this weekend. <laughs> We're not sure where that came from, but... Good for him. Uh, interestingly, star attacker Michael Dalhanyuk and regular libero Jonathan Lee were both benched for the final two sets in place of Danny Asmolider and Tyson Smith, who helped lead UBC to this nice comeback. So we'll see if that leads to a tweaking of the rotation going forwards. UBC will face off against Alberta on the road in the semifinals this weekend. The Thunderbirds beat them twice on the road at the end of November, but since then the Golden Pandas have won 12 straight matches. We're going to look at some non-playoff action quickly here. Now moving into rugby, continuing an annual tradition that has stood the test of time. The Thunderbirds men's rugby team took a break from Premier League action to travel to Berkeley as part of their World Cup home-and-home series. For the 99th year, UBC and the California Golden Bears are tussling with dynastic pride on the line. In the series opener, UBC did fall 36-21. to 99 straight years. It's um, not 99 straight. Oh, 99. Just 99, 99 years. Oh, okay. <laughs> there there were some breaks in between. Yeah. The, Can- the Canadian-American hostilities were too much at different points in I was history. thinking maybe it was a world war, but it could be that too. <laughs> no, I don't think there's any other reasons. That could, that could uh, be the case. Back- looking at the 99th edition, though, a Michael Smith try nodded the score at 7 early on. California then reeled off 24 straight points to take a commanding 31-7 lead. Max Shoemaker was a huge piece of that run for the Bears, in- notching Four converts, a try, and a successful drop kick. UBC did make it a 10-point game late in the second half after a couple of Joe, and I'm going to ask Corey to help me out on his last name. Uh, I'm going to say Suriso. Thank you, Corey. A couple of Joe <laughs> Suriso tries. But unfortunately, that is as close as the Thunderbirds would come as Sebastian Potter scored for the Bears with just four minutes to go to make it a 15-point win. Congrats, the two teams. Corey. Oh, my God. <laughs> the two teams face off once more this Sunday right here on campus with UBC needing a 16-point win to take the series. Last year, both teams won their respective home games, so the Thunderbirds will hope to make that happen again. Now, we still have plenty more to talk about after spending a ton of time talking about these playoff games and then the rugby, but we are going to take a quick break for some ads and we'll come back talking about the Swimming National Championships. The 
I'm about to spit yeah, in this mic cool. like <laughs> freestyle. <laughs> Alright, let's go. I ain't Victoria's pretty good, not bad festival, fountain. Just back from France. Montreal. <laughs> what the? <laughs> I couldn't even. What? Victoria's pretty good, not bad festival, fountain. Just back from what are you even saying here? Oh, you're trying to say these are the things featured in this one. You should probably specify that. Because even a fucking elf couldn't understand that, okay? If you can do better than an elf, at CITR, we want to have a variety of voices on the air. Want to write scripts? Do some voice acting? Broadcast your creativity? Volunteer with the CITR production department. No experience? We can also train you in everything required. Send an email to psas at citr.ca to learn more. And don't wait to get your voice on the air. And welcome back, everybody. Hope you're doing well. You're listening to Thunderbird Eye. And now we're going to move on to the world of swimming. The UBC T-Birds successfully defended their national titles as both men's and women's teams won for the fourth straight year. Starting off on the women's side, they trailed after day one, but stepped it up the next two days and won three relay events, the 4x100 medley, the 4x100 freestyle, and the 4x200 freestyle, along with many individual races. Emily Overhold absolutely shredded the field, field being uh, not necessarily the right term here. <laughs> the liquid field. <laughs> Claiming five goals in the 200 meters and 400 meters freestyle, 200 meters IM, and both 400 meter IMs, and three silvers in the 200 meters and 400 meter freestyle and 200 meter IM. Hoylam Karen Tam was awarded the Sprinters Cup for winning both the 50 meter and 100 meter freestyle. She's only the, she's the second Thunderbird to ever do so. The previous was in 1995. Uh, she also notched silver in the 50 meter butterfly. Hillary Metcalf was the master of silver, claiming six of them in all of the 50-meter, 100-meter, and 200-meter breaststroke events. And then rounding out the big names was Olivia Ellard, who took home two silvers in the 200-meter backstrokes and a silver and a bronze in the 100-meter backstrokes. Take this in. This was the women's team 24th national championship all-time and the eighth in the nine in the last nine years. The rest of the country, the rest of the country has 23 national championships combined. It, 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 we, I think we have a good women's swimming program. That's what we can take away yeah, from this. Yeah, I think we do. And uh, moving on to the men's, they led the total standings from start to finish with a more comfortable win in the end. They also won the same three real events that the women's team did. Marcus Thormar, the 2019 Swimming Canada Male Swimmer of the Year, was absurdly dominant with seven golds in all six of the 100-meter freestyle, 200-meter freestyle, and 100-meter backstroke events, plus one of the 200-meter backstrokes. Jesus. In the long course 100-meter backstroke, Thormar recorded a time of 53.51 seconds, which is a U-sports record and the fourth fastest time in the world so far this year. He also broke the U-sports record in the 200-meter backstroke. Again, 
pretty pretty good. We got Ooh. some good swimmers here. Championship mentality. Championship mentality. We haven't even had them on the show yet. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine oh. what they'll do after we interview some of them. Olympic gold. That's the next step. Yes, that is the next step. Jaron LaFranc dominated the breaststroke events. He took all four golds in the 100-meter and 200-meter races. Brody Young took the medleys, winning gold and bronze in the 200-meter and silver in the 400-meter. And finally, it was Alexander Pratt who won silver and bronze in the 100-meter freestyles, as well as silver in the 400-meter freestyle and bronze in the 200-meter freestyle. This was the men's team's 17th national championship all-time, pushing them past Toronto for the most of any school in the country. Only 17? Come on. (laughs) Step Step it up. Step it up. Women's team's got 24. Come on. (laughs) The birds played that. (laughs) <laughs> the first place that conference openers in Idaho, where they battled the number 19 ranked Lewis Clark State. The Birds lost game one on Friday before winning the doubleheader on Saturday. Sunday's concluding game saw the T Birds fall short once again, rounding the weekend off as a 2 2 effort for the Thunderbirds away in Idaho. Just saying, this is baseball, also. <laughs> this is baseball. <laughs> Yeah, and Game 1 saw the Thunderbirds fall to an 8-2 deficit. Austin Butler hit a late three-run homer to cut into the lead, but it wasn't enough as the Warriors won 9-6. to Jake, that's my guy, Austin Butler. <laughs> you, have a, you have a lot of guys on the baseball <laughs> team. Really, really covered your bases, pardon the pun, by picking oh, like uh... six people. <laughs> For all of our listeners, if you go back to the beginning of the year, <laughs> We're gonna it, was only, this every show. it was only three or four. It wasn't six. And Austin Butler was up there. So really happy to see he had a three-run bomb. I mean, I'm just saying it seems to be a different person every week and you claim them every time. <laughs> so <laughs> It's been Noah Orr, Austin Butler, and Garrett Hawkins. Those were the three. So far. So far. We'll see. We'll see if it happens in the next few weeks. Uh, in game two, the Thunderbirds built off the momentum of the late runs they scored in game one. They flew off to a 13 to two lead within the first three innings, eventually winning 17 to four. Seven different Thunderbirds finished the game with multiple hits, including Brett Corbeth, who led the way with four RBIs. It was the most runs they've scored in a game since 2017. Yeah, Game 3, which was the second game on Saturday, saw much of the same UBC dominance, with the Birds racing out to a 7-0 lead before the Warriors even had a chance to bat. The Birds did win 9-5 as rookie pitcher Adam Meyer earned his first career win. Congratulations, Adam. Game 4 on Sunday saw the conclusion of the four-game series, and the Birds came in hot, scoring three times in the first inning. However, the Warriors hit and scored consistently from the third inning onwards to secure a 15-7 win and earn a series split. And that's against the nine-time defending champs, Lewis Clark State. So a split, probably pretty solid. We'll see what happens when the Warriors come to town later in the season. But this weekend, UEC does return home to face the Oregon Tech Owls in a pair of doubleheaders set for Saturday and Sunday. And Saturday will be their home opener. And moving on to softball, the girls just arrived home from a week-long preseason trip to Hawaii this past weekend. Uh, they arrived Sunday morning. I had to pick a couple of the girls up, and surprisingly, <laughs> they were not sunburnt. It's happened every year, um, but unfortunately, they dropped both games in a doubleheader against Chaminade last Tuesday, but they put up a strong effort against NCAA Div 1 school, University of Hawaii, but unfortunately, one long inning against them was ultimately too much to catch up to at the plate. 
Game one against Chaminade saw a late innings comeback by UBC come up just short as they lost 7-6. to six. Outfielder and senior Casta Courtney contributed a pair of hits and an RBI, scored twice herself, but it wasn't enough in the end. Game two was a bit more of a struggle with UBC unable to tack on a run on just four hits while giving up five runs on nine hits to the Silver Swords. This was their lowest hit total of the preseason. The Thunderbirds showed some spark last Wednesday, as although they lost 15-10 to the University of Hawaii, UBC outhit them 11-10. This was their last. This was their last meeting with the Big West school, who finished second in their conference last season. The Rainbows took control with a nine-run third inning as the Thunderbirds committed three errors. That one hurts. For UBC, eight different players contributed to the 11 hits, and Courtney again was the standout, going three for three at the plate, including a solo bomb in the seventh inning. The Thunderbirds open up their last first conference games of the new decade <laughs> this Friday. They play at home at Softball City in Surrey with a doubleheader against Northwest Christian starting at 1.30 p.m. It's okay, man. <laughs> There's some rivalry going on between the Wang twins in the booth right now. <laughs> but we'll move away from that. We'll move towards some other rivalries involving the Thunderbird athletes. Looking at the schedule coming up. Nice segment. Bear with me, folks. We have a lot going on over the <laughs> There's next There's still week. a lot happening. Oh, boy. So starting on this Friday, um, we have a few softball games against Northwest Christian in Oregon. Uh, the team from Oregon, we're playing them in Surrey, rather. Uh, men's hockey will be playing in the Canada West final against Saskatchewan. That is in Saskatchewan. And men's volleyball will be in Alberta uh, to for the Canada West semifinal. Looking at Saturday, there are three women's reg- rugby sevens games. They're playing in Victoria. Uh, that is the first day of action for them. Softball continues with another couple games against Northwest Christian. Men's field hockey has a game. Um, they're playing the Vancouver Hawks. Uh, baseball starts a series then playing against Oregon Tech. Uh, and then in the evening that night, men's volleyball will be back in action again uh, against Alberta. Men's ice hockey again against Saskatchewan. And then basketball will start off again against Alberta. As well, there is a track and field meet uh, starting at 4 p.m. down in Seattle, the Seattle Pacific Final Qualifier. We're still going. We're still going here, (laughs) folks. On the Sunday, uh, the rowing team is in action. They're in Victoria for the Elk Lake Spring Springs. That is what it's called. Um... Again, there will be more women's rugby sevens action as they move into the knockout rounds. The baseball series against Oregon Tech will continue. Uh, Men's rugby will continue their World Cup challenge against California. That game will be played right here in Vancouver. Uh, Men's volleyball back again at Alberta and men's ice hockey at Saskatchewan. And then just a few more things <laughs> on Monday. Uh, rowing continues with the Oak Lake Spring Springs, and then the women's and men's golf teams start up again. The women are in Sacramento for the UC Davis Gunrock Invitational. The men are also in Sacramento, but for the Sacramento State Invitational. And then on Tuesday, those two events will conclude for the golf teams. Whew. Yeah, you can breathe now, Corey. That's, <laughs> Thank you, That's Jake. good stuff. <laughs> now, after Corey did such a great job of laying out what's happening this weekend, I will also provide some insight into what's going to happen this weekend with everyone's favorite segment, Jake's Guarantee of the Week. I think I'm a special one. 60% of the time, it works every time. Okay. So, last week, I guaranteed that the basketball teams would go 3-1 and one on the weekend in the Canada West playoffs. That was 
Correct. Whoa. What? Oh my god. <laughs> I can't believe it. Thank you to everyone for their applause and adoration. Thank we you. believe in you. Thank you. <laughs> that puts me at two and three now. I will look to get to 500 this weekend. And I'm going to look again at some of our playoff games. We've played Alberta a lot recently. Both the hockey teams played them in the semifinals. They went one and one. Both men's volleyball and men's basketball are playing Alberta this weekend. And I guarantee that both basketball and volleyball will beat Alberta it would mean a Canada West championship for basketball and a spot in the Canada West finals for volleyball. It's going to happen. You can book it, I believe. And with that, thank you for tuning in to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. Besides listening to the show, the best way to keep up to date with UBC Thunderbirds news, standings, and stories is to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at CITR Sports. And speaking of YouTube, our interview with Michaela Ogrodnichuk and Tori McLash has been uploaded in video form on the site, so you can go check that out. You can also listen to the show on iTunes. Next up on CITR is Flower Power Hour at 2. For Thunderbird Eye, this has been Jake, Corey, Nico, Ryan, Allen, Byron, Chooks, and Claire, with contributions from Ben Nelson. Thank you for tuning in, and have a great rest of your day. Hi, Jacob.